the Lord drew my heart to teach on suffering last week. And I obviously had no idea that X number of days later there would be a, what they called a high-end F, uh, EF3, which means it wasn't far from being a four. And I taught on suffering, God's gracious, how we can respond graciously in suffering on a review last Sunday's teaching, so you'll get it. And I know we've got some new folks here, and it means more than I can put into words that you hear. Uh, we all suffer because of the consequences of our own sin, right? We bring a lot of junk on our own lives, stuff nobody knows about, the secret bat- battles we face. And by the way, in case you haven't picked up on this yet, our bad decisions have a really, really tough effect on other people, right? Guess what? Just like theirs, right? I mean, when the scripture says, Freddie, all have sinned and come short of glory, all have sinned and come short of the glory. And that means me and that means you. And there's no getting around that. Paul wrote in Romans eleven thirty two that all have been shut up in disobedience, that God may show his mercy to all. Nobody's exempt. We do things that cause tremendous pain in our lives and others. And that is why we live in a fallen world and it's a wreck. Jesus understands suffering. It's not a mystery to him. Uh, God does cause all things to work together. We're going to actually dig in on that one this morning. And Jesus, there's a way, there's a, a form of intimacy that happens only in suffering. And those of you with gray hair, you know what I'm talking about. Something happens. Um, Sabrina and Quentin, what's the name of the couple that we were helping across the street? Okay. You said Dan? Ken. Ken. I was talking to Ken and I said, I said, dude, God, God showed his grace on you. And he goes, yeah, I'm blessed. And then he paused and got a little teary. And he said, when I stepped out of the house and I looked at this thing, he said, I had to get on my knees and I had a good cry. Now, if Ken walked out of his house and nothing had happened, would, have, would Ken have gotten on his knees and had a good cry before God? No. Not at all. Because Ken didn't have an urgent need for that. He didn't have this overwhelming sense of gratefulness that he survived. The house is relatively you know, sustainable now at this point. No. Suffering brings intimacy. It pushes us to God. And <laughs> that's the point. Suffering reveals what is real to us. I've heard people say to me, hey, Chris, my family, we're fine. Who cares? It's a house. You can, you can replace a roof. You can, you can rebuild. You can't replace a child. You can't replace a loved one. So suffering brings out what's real around us and in us and what really, really matters. It absolutely brings it out. So um, we're going to have a chance for you guys to talk also about what, what God accomplished in you guys over the last few days. So let's go to this next one here. Um, here's what you don't know. On Friday morning, uh, I, I, I don't know how to say it. Is my daughter Rebecca here? There she is. Man, I got so bowed up. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. Just bowed up in my spirit. And so I... Uh, came here and tried to dig in to do some work on the writing projects, uh, Sabrina, and, and get ready for Sunday. And uh, 
had a hard time thinking, just almost an angry spirit in me. I'm not sure how to describe it. And like I was walking into a fight. Anybody know what that feels like? You're walking into a fight? You know? Okay. I had that feeling. And, uh, and I was saying, Lord, what, what do we need to cover for Sunday? So Friday morning, I made those slides right there. Friday morning. I had no idea what was about to happen. None. The painting on the left is by Rembrandt. It was painted in 1633. Storm on the Sea. Sea of Galilee. I'm going to push you guys this morning. You ready? The text says, and I haven't prayed, have I? <laughs> I got to pray. <laughs> if, even if you don't need it, I need it. Abba Father, I thank you for these people. Lord, I love them and they love me and we love each other. And it's a gift that keeps me going. And I say thank you for these people. And I ask right now that you create within us clean hearts, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within us. Uh, Abba, Father, I ask you to unlock Romans 8. There's so much here, and we are so dependent on you right now. So please speak clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that God causes all things... To work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Okay. In Greek, the word good is agathos. Sounds like the name of a woman, right? Agatha. And it means good. It's a generic word for good. If you speak a little bit of Hebrew, in Hebrew, in Old Testament Hebrew, classic Hebrew, it's tov. Tov. And it's right out of Genesis 1. God saw what he made and he said it was tov. It was good. If you speak Aramaic, which is the language of Jesus, which is a form of Hebrew, it's tovah. Tovah. And it means good. So God causes all things to work together for good. All right. Now let's dig in on this. What does it mean? What does it mean? I'm going to offer you several interpretations. There will be a test. You ready? Number one, all things that happen, God considers as good. Okay, we're already getting some, nah, no, no, surely not. Is that the right interpretation of Romans 8.28? All things that happen, I mean all things as in all things <laughs> that happen, God considers as good. Okay, two. God is able to bring goodness in, through, and out of all things that happen to his children. Getting some nods. Got the Freddy nod. Rocking on. Okay. Pay attention. God, Jesus, and the Spirit are at work in all things. To conform the children of God to the image or likeness of his son. It's actually a little bigger perspective of 26 to 30. Got, we got a nod over here. You think so, Freddie? Think so? Okay. All right. God uses Christians who love him and act out of his purposes to cause all things to work together for good. 
Maddie got a, got a nod from Maddie. Okay. All right. You guys ready? Here's the test. Which one's correct? There could be more than one correct answer. What do you think? Okay, Maddie thinks the last three. What do you think so? What's that? Okay. That's actually, yeah, two. by the way, did I, that's actually supposed to be a four. But if you're under the stress, can I just whine? I've had a hard time, okay? You know what? And listen, I'm neurotic enough that, uh, you know, come on, come on, come on. By the way, I have a big time love-hate relationship with technology in case you don't know that yet. Look at that, the wheel of death. Isn't that amazing? It just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. So um, let's, let's go in. Is there an edit mode on this thing? No, no, there's not. Yes, there is. No, there's not. See, I'm going to feel really, really good about this. Jay, Jay, you know, typos, man, are they not the worst? Jay's smiling. You wouldn't know? I appreciate it. See, dear Lord, dear Lord, help, dear Lord. Whoa! Talk about anointing. Check that out. Boom shaka laka. All right. Oh no! Now I have a format problem. Oh man! Why did I do that? Oh, oh! Talk about the work of God's grace in my life. Sabrina's laughing. She's doing some editing. Tammy Perkins, the red ink that's on my paper. Ugh. All right, thank you. So, uh, two and three, Michael. Two and three. Anybody think four is a problem? Michael thinks maybe. The word uses is weird. Okay. All intentional, Linda? We, we can't cause anything. Anybody else? Alan? Well, it says God uses Christian food. But if you're Christian, you should love him anyway, not food. That's very good. That's very good. Although, okay, Alan is spot on and reveals that there's a problem, right? There's a lot of people who say they're Christians. And you know what? Their covers of, are made of lead on Sunday morning. They just can't get out of bed. Or, or... The idea of sacrificial service for the kingdom of God, they'd rather be on Instagram. They'd way rather be on Instagram than offer a prayer. Churches, second, third, fourth, fifth place, or seventh place, or hundredth place down the line. And if there's any problem, the first thing that goes is a commitment to the church. Janice? Well, I agree 100% with two and three. However, number four, God can use anything to work to good. Which includes a Christian. Right. So it's sure. not just Christians. And I, I don't think, I don't know. I, sometimes I think some, all things to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. So there's a limitation there on what he uses for good. Evidently, whoever these people are, we would call them Christians, love God, and actively engage in his purpose. Okay. Because a lot of people misuse that scripture and say all things work together for good for everybody. Yeah. That's not true. Which is not true at all. 
So let me put you on the spot. Um, what are the purposes of God? If he's doing all this stuff according to his purpose, what's the purpose of God? Why are we here on planet Earth? Glory to God. What's that? Bring glory to God. Bring the kingdom to earth. Yeah. Your will be done. Your, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lady, what's purpose? Glorify God and produce remaining fruit. Yeah. John 15. The, the will of the Father is that you produce fruit and that fruit remain. Not temporary fruit. Anybody else? What are the purposes of God? Love God, love people. Second uh, Peter 3, 9. God is patient. He doesn't want anyone perish. He wants all to come to repentance. Talents or anything you'd like to tell us, sweetheart? Mm-hmm, I agree. She's speaking Aramaic Hebrew, by the way. And only I understand what she's saying. So, that's so not true. Anybody else with the purposes of God? What's that, Eve? Man. Oh man, um, Linda and Steve. Relationship. Yeah. Why? Why would you say that? Yeah. 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 That's so good. Uh, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I'm gonna. Be, it's gonna be a little edgy. Uh, I don't think God's into tree hugging. Okay? I think God's into people hugging. <laughs> I think God wants us to love people. Now, sure, do we honor the creation? Do we? Uh, yes, yes. But worshiping trees, no. That's called idolatry in the Old Testament. Okay? Creation. We don't worship creation. We worship God. Yes, Romans one twenty. Yes, yeah. In fact, when you look at all of Romans 1, uh, perversion creeps into the culture. Right. And people begin to think in depraved ways with depraved minds. And all of a sudden they start worshiping the creation and not the creator. And it goes down and down and down into the most perverse forms of human behavior and belief, by the way. So these things are the purposes of God. Let me read it again. For we know, by the way, uh, uh, in, in Greek, it's, the idea here is it's assumed. It's assumed. Everybody knows this. Right? Now, Paul's writing to churches in, in a place he'd never been yet. He's writing to, to Rome. He'd never been to Rome. He was headed that way, and he's getting the churches ready for his visit. So he writes this letter to, to the Romans. It's multiple churches, possibly as many as, as over a dozen churches in Rome. And Paul says, it's common knowledge... Among those who follow Jesus, it's common knowledge among those who follow Jesus that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love him and those who are called according to his purpose. It's common knowledge. We get this. We get it all. Okay. So which one's right? What interpretations are correct? Two and three. You feel good about it? Now, four is good, too, in the sense that God can use a believer. He can. But he's not limited to that. 
What's that, sir? There's a dog. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Lee, I know you know the Old Testament. You know what God called Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked king that launched an attack on Israel and leveled the place in 586 B.C.? You know what he called him? Now, this is a non-believer. My son. <laughs> God can use all things, even wicked people. All right, Christ Church. The story of the, uh, it's recorded in all three of the synoptics. The disciples are in a boat. The storm hits. I've taught you guys this many times. The, the way the lay of the land is, there's certain, certain air, cold air that comes off the Golan Heights and drops so fast to the, to the surface of the Sea of Galilee and the warm water and the warm air that that creates an instant radical storm on top of the Gal on top of the Sea of Galilee, and geographers of the day wrote about this that Lee the storm can hit in minutes, and you're out there fishing with the guys and it's just a normal day fishing, and then all of a sudden that front comes over the Golan Heights and slams down like a hammer on top of the surface of the water. Okay, really really tough tough situation. And if you remember the story, Jesus is asleep in the boat, okay? And if you read the text closely, it says they were being swamped by the waves. So do you think Jesus is dry and snuggy in his beautiful woolen thing that he wore and this nice soft cushion? No, he is, he is soaked and it is rough and he's so tired from what he's been doing, that he's sound asleep. Okay. Is there another reason why he's sleeping? I think there's two reasons why he's sleeping. Number one, he's bone tired. <laughs> what else? He's not worried about it, Freddie. Yeah. He is peace. Who said that? He is peace. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yeah. Jesus had a conviction that we struggle with. That God, his father, was not out of control. His motive toward him is always good. And that if God brought a storm on your life, it's okay. If God takes the storm away, it's okay. What he's looking for is big faith, not little faith. Because all three of the stories in the synoptics say he woke up or they woke him up. And there was... Don't you care that we're dying? Wake up. And he wakes up and he stands. And with a fierce look of authority, he commands the storm to stop and the waters are still. And then what does he say? You of little faith. Yeah. So he was asleep for two reasons. He was really tired. And he had big faith. Really big faith. Okay. How does this apply to us today? You're the body of Christ. I guess two things. Number one, how are we going to join God in causing all things to work together for the good? How are we going to join him in that? 
And then secondly, there are three kinds of people in this room right now. Number one, you're not in a storm and you're headed for one. (laughs) You're in the storm or you just came out of it. What do you think? You're the body of Christ. Those online, Lisa, Stephen, let me know anybody that asks a question. How do we do this? Yes, Michael. Well, just in reference to the last part that you were talking about, Jesus being calm on the boat, and it just immediately took me back to times in my life, but what I hear from a lot of people, too, is like, man, if Jesus was here today, I would believe. (laughs) I could see a miracle today. You were in the middle, you know, you had people all around him with the one that you believed to be the Son of God who was sleeping and not worried about it, and you still were freaked out. Yeah. yeah. We wouldn't fare any better. Yeah. Michael, you're being honest, and I appreciate that. Uh, I think, to me, maybe one of the saddest verses in the Bible is Matthew 28, right at the Great Commission. Can you imagine you're at Matthew 28? You've seen it all. The walking on water, the storming, the uh, calming the storm, the dead are being raised, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the hunger being fed. Miracle after miracle. Lepers are... Cl- can you... Mind-bending miracles... The blind see, the deaf hear, okay? And then it says, LaDonna, when you get to Matthew 28, Jesus says, hey, we're going to go to this place. We're going to do the the commissioning because I'm out of here. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to send my spirit, right? And it says, the disciples, some were doubtful. Some were doubtful, Michael. They didn't just see one miracle. They saw hundreds and hundreds. And it says they were still doubtful. And he just resurrected. They saw the... Thomas put his hands, his fingers in the holes in his hands. They saw the resurrection, resurrection miracles. And it says, and some were doubtful. Michael, you're getting at something. Faith is a gift. Ooh. You just got to ask. Them. Yes, yes. And I know you know this, Freddie, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. Yeah. Someone else, how do we do this? How, how do we live this out where it matters? Yes, Anna. So on like a different note, what you were talking about, like Jesus is the calm and the peace, and especially right now, there's a lot of chaos around us. There's a lot of people that we know or that are neighbors, and they've lost everything. Yeah. And um, yesterday I was at my best friend's parents' house, and we were working to clean it up, and you just like, you see all these like churches and stuff going out and have their shirts on. And I remember a couple of the neighbors, they were just saying, they go like, I don't even go to church and these people still came to help. And there was a few of them that were like asking like, I mean, I was there because I was, I knew them. Um, but like they were just asking and like it just shows a lot that, you know, Jesus is the peace and like, especially as part of the church, just being there showing up, even if that's bringing water or whatever that looks like, like they noticed that one, we were peaceful and we were ready. Yeah, yeah. But two, it asked, like there were a lot of people that were asking about church. Yeah, And asking yeah. about like, you know, where can I go to find whatever you have that you're not sure. devastated right now? Sure, yeah. Suffering brings out what's real in all of us. Yeah, James. What brought it on, what makes me think of is there's, there's three types of people out there right now. There's, there's those that are you know, thanking God. I can't, you know, thank you so much for getting me through this. 
And then there's others that say, God, how could you let this happen? And then you have the real far left of that, and the people say, well, this is as proof there is on God. You're right, James. You're spot on. You're spot on. You know what I think the number one, dear, Cody, go ahead. No, no, you. you. Bring peace. The world has already been judged. <laughs> like the world had already been judged. Yes. He came to offer opportunity. Yes. Oh, that's so good, so, Cody. Charlie. I think the important thing between the first, the four yeah. things you brought up, the first one says, uh, I think I'm just probably going to paraphrase. Yeah, there you go. It says, all things that happen are considered good. Well, that's obviously not right. I think... The most important word in number two and three is in. Yeah. yeah. That God works in all things. Yes. It's not that God lets bad things happen. Of course bad things happen. But God works in all things. Yeah. So yeah. to James, you know, people saying that God doesn't exist. Well, that may be their perspective or whatever that they can see. But if, you know, like you said, you got to show people that God works in all things, not that God causes all things, because that's not what God is. Yes, that's so good, Charlie. James, you're spot on. God is good and he protected me. God is mean and he did something terrible or there's no God at all. It's a big deal. All right, this is what I want you to lock on. Go ahead, Linda, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. If we believe that, then we have to believe something like this tornado created, and we've seen the devastation that it does. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. create anything, it just creates chaos. Yes. But yes. it does put together a house with light switches that work yeah. and roof shingles in place. Right. That takes a creator. Yes. And Jesus takes the simplest little thing, a human body, like, like a, a hair pulse. Yeah. And then you try to put that with how eyes track you know, yeah. all yeah. the different things about yeah. a human. No, you're spot on. Uh, please begin to read uh, Stephen Mayer, read Michael Behe, and a whole host of PhDs and MDs who 
are teaching on what's called intelligent design. And uh, it's fascinating what's coming up. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, Lee. Just wanted to take off what she says, perspective. And in Romans 8.18, it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Yeah. And then another passage uh, is real special to me. I was sitting on an airplane, and my son was in surgery to be prepared for dialysis. And the Lord, this is where I, I read this. He says, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I think, you know, even when you look out at, at the destruction, the lines are still falling to us. Pleasant places. Yes. Which means our heritage is good. We got, we got a really good chunk. Yeah. Yes. Um, I want you guys to lock on to, to two things. Number one, what I'm about to tell you. Number two, what Rebecca's about to tell you, which you'll find out here in just a second. Do you understand <clears throat> that if Jesus is not in your boat, how bad that is? Do you get it? You need him in the boat, people. You need Jesus in your life. Because if he's not, and you're out there all alone on the sea in the storm, it's bad. It's really bad. And you're going to come up with all kinds of excuses like James said. You know, ah, this is proof God's cruel, or not at all. See, life is fatalistic. It's all bad and it leads to some horrible end where we die and rot on the road like a dog hit by a car. Jesus has got to be in the boat with you. James, yes, sir. I just want to add one more thing. That yes, sir. The purpose of being pizza in the first place is that that just goes to show that when things happen, what squeezes us, squeeze out what's really within us. Yes, it exposes what's real. Yes. It brings out what's real. Yes, you're, you're spot on. Let me tell you how spot on you are. Jesus, there's a man that's been paralyzed for 38 years. Now, from, from a first century perspective, how old is that guy, Patch? He's been crippled for 38 years. It's his whole life. It's an old man. That would be culturally equivalent to saying he's probably 75, 80 years old. Because you would die mid-40s or early 40s. Average age of death for a male. 38 years. Jesus walks up and says, you want to get better? It's like, we got a cool weight trainer here. People say, you might say to them, you want to lose weight? <laughs> you want to get in shape? I'll show you. Not everybody wants to do that. They like to have that glorified body, but they don't do what it takes to, to get there. So Jesus comes up to the guy, 30 years crippled, and says, you want to get better? You would think, duh. Why would Jesus ask that? Well, he's asking it, Edie, because there's a motive problem. And the, guy, and the guy says, well, you know, when the angel comes through the water, came so Jesus heals him, and he takes off all happy. Jesus meets him in the temple area just a few hours later. And you know what Jesus said to him? This is tough. This is, this is not ear candy, people. James, Jesus said to him, don't sin anymore or something worse will happen. Wow. Jesus said that. It's hard. 
And sometimes the stuff in our life is like James said, we get squeezed and it, what's inside comes out. Okay. People, we got to have Jesus in the boat. And you know what that means? It's a metaphor. Having Jesus in your boat. What's it, what's it a metaphor for? What does it mean? You've got to have him in your heart. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe. Because if you don't believe, he's not in your boat, right? And you're left to your own devices, and that's not good. That's never good at all. I want you to understand Jesus has got to be in your boat, which means you've got, you've got a hard choice. Are you going to submit to him? Are you going to play games with faith, play games with church, play, play games with all this stuff? Or are you going to truly be a follower and truly be called according to his purpose? You're going to prove that you, that you love him and prove that you're active in his purposes and you're going to get involved in what's going on. Rebecca, why is it important to obey? We had this conversation at the table. Surprise. It's important to obey. And it's important to obey without questioning. Because you don't have the whole story. It can be life or death. Yeah. Yeah, so the, when the first siren went off, you know, I'd already been preparing the house that day and the first siren went off and of course our grandkids are getting a little shook you know and and uh they're asking questions is, is there going to be a tornado and we said well we don't know but there's a siren so that means something's really bad and so we're, we're we're trying to you know take care of things and we we're looking at an interior room we, we got that ready lisa got it ready and meanwhile i've gotten our crawl space ready and I, I, it was just this urging I can't define. And um, I kept, I would go outside and I would just look at the sky. I would look at the sky and, uh, and I would report back on what to do. And then the siren stopped half a second time. Third time the siren off, I went outside and I saw the cloud. And I heard the shearing. There was a loud shearing sound, cutting, shearing. That's all I know to call it and then the droning train sound. And I went back and said, we'd already reviewed this, we already covered, right? Becca said, I think we can get in there in 45 seconds. Boy, was she spot on. I, and I ran in the house and I said, this is it. I want you to follow me right now, follow me. We're going into the crawl space. And I'm telling you, every one of them, including the two old people, we, <laughs> Oh, by the grace of God, yeah, you think it's funny. You just wait till you're our age. <laughs> Those little britches, you just wait. And boy, pop, we were in there. It was beautiful. And while we were in there, we prayed. Yeah, God is good. Christ Church is Jesus in the boat. Okay. And are you going to be called according to his purpose. And what are you going to do? Can God use you in this situation? Is what's going on. So, all right. Um, I want us to pray and ask for God's favor right now. Uh, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, please, please be quick to obey. Be quick to obey. No excuses. Come on. Get in his boat. Abba, Father, I love you and I thank you. 
Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, they'll come talk to me at the end of the service. And we'll, we'll discover what it means to put faith in you. That you are love and that you are good and you are kind and you don't want us to perish. Abba, Abba, bring healing, please. There are hundreds of thousands of people all over the Mid-South states that have known unspeakable damage. Bring revival, bring healing, bring hope. And use your children who love you, who are not ashamed of you, nor your gospel, to be the salt and to be the light and to bring healing and hope. I'm asking in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you.